I can't make decisions based on whether people are going to vote for me or not. I can't do that. I, I because that's that's like that's like being a business or short term the stock market. We're worried about the next quarter's results. If if our if our representatives make decisions based on what they hear in one moment from electorate or from people and don't do it based on a longer term view, a view that that they really think hard about what the repercussions are and what their values are and how how they can really deliver for the riding. And maybe it sounds like you're not listening, but I listen. I listen all the time. That's sure. so important. Right. You have to listen. But representing somebody doesn't always mean doing what they want you to do or doing what they say. Well, and you'd really? be schizophrenic anyway. You'd be schizophrenic because if I yeah. listened, if I if to represent someone I had to do what they said. Right. I would be taking diametrically opposed views on every issue right. because I get emails from one person who says protect the environment. I get an email from another person who says cut the carbon tax. I get an email from one person who says, you know, um, condemn, um, you know, stand for Palestine more strongly. I get something from another person who says help us with anti-Semitism. Right. Like, how do you yes. represent a diverse group of people? <laughs> yes. You listen. Uh huh. You listen. You try and do what you think is the best thing to represent the community as a whole. Really, it started taking place way back here. Mm -hmm. And I find that that gets skipped over so many times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that even along the way of these triumphs, because that's the moment, right, when you get the award or whatever, yeah. there's recognition. Yeah. This person wanted to quit, <laughs> uh, felt sad, uh, didn't yeah. think they were worthy. Yeah. And yeah. people don't get that part. Yeah, no, exactly. And then the rest of us who are sitting there feeling not worthy, feeling like we, we are quitting, mm -hmm. we're like, well, yeah, we're not that person. And I want them to know, hold you on a second. Person. Yeah. You are. And that yeah. person is no. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So exactly. like both. Yeah. No, I hear you. And that's really what we go after. Yeah. Great. You know, but um, as I was kind of like talking to you about it, even what was like last week when we chatted, mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know what? I'm sh I'm almost sure of it. Like, you know, I haven't heard it yet. Mm -hmm. I have a I have a feeling that no way you go through all of these years in 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 terms of what you've gone through to get to where you are today. Mm-hmm that you haven't had that experience, you oh. know, where there are moments where, so I was like, so let many me times. just That's ask the you. Problem. That's so many times, right? right? That's so many the times. problem is, is it happens constantly. I think it happens to everybody constantly. Uh, and I think the, the maybe for somebody like yourself, maybe the hard part is because it happens so many times for you, mm -hmm. it's like normal. It's like, yeah, you but know. But it's what? always challenging. Isn't it? It's always challenging. Is it? Every time, every time it happens, you still have to pick yourself back up. Yeah. Yeah. And I always think of that song, you know, um, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Yes. Uh, they're never going to be down. Oh, what's her name? Uh, that champion song? Like, yeah, yes. exactly. I, I love that. Yeah. And I think there's so many pieces, you know, things like that. It was funny, just on the way in this morning, and, and as we were discussing, I'm, you know, I'm not completely up to date culturally on all the things that are going on, but I like listening to the radio sometimes in between. I listen to CBC One often. And, um, for the news updates, and then there was a piece about a a musician yeah. on today, um, and his name was Ibrahim, I think Malou from. His, I, I don't know if you've heard him, but he just has done a new album called Capacity to Love. Okay, and it was so wonderful just listening to this. And he had he started with a quote from Charlie Chaplin, right? And like, who would think that Charlie Chaplin? Like, you think of Charlie Chaplin, you know, this great right. actor, this person. I know he did so much more, but the quote was amazing about how much we need love and how much we need to. You know, gross. I'm just what I'm saying is it's all these connections, these things that happen, right? And every yeah. time you hear something, that kind of helps you 
um, get yourself back up. You know, right. and it can be the smallest thing. It can be something like that that's just focusing on how we all need to love more to address the problems that we're facing. Yeah. And when you're dealing with so many, my first thing this morning, you know, a couple first things this morning, you know, looking at an email chain, a woman from Iran who, and Iranian Canadian, a Canadian, but who is frustrated because she can't get a, her brother can't get a visa to come and visit. Right. And it doesn't, it may not sound like a huge thing, but it is a huge thing in people's lives. Right. You know, and if you're there looking at this and you've been working on this and trying to help someone and you feel like, what else can you do? And you just have to say, there's more to do. You can yeah. do more. Like, keep going. And, you know, you, you, so I wrote a long email to the two ministers involved again and tried to follow up and we'll do more. But it's but it's that, that kind of looking and saying, nope, there's always more we can do. We can always push a little bit harder. And maybe at some point, you say you keep pushing and then you veer in a different direction. Well, for for a lot of people, I think sometimes um, looking up to you, Leah, right? And mm-hmm. that's the truth. Like you, people do look up to your leader. Um, and, uh, you know, there's this, there's this thought of like, yeah, she's got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you must have had to figure it out along the way so many times. Uh, but you even yourself said right now that there are still, there are moments, there are challenges, and there's so many of them. Um, and I, I was thinking, the hard part for you is because you spend your entire day working on everyone else's problem mm-hmm. for everyone else's sake. It's rare that uh, I feel like you might have any more time for yourself to mm-hmm. actually look at, hey, what's bothering me? <laughs> and how? what about me? And, um, you know, that's why when I, when I meet with you, mm-hmm. I rarely want to talk to you about, like, what's going on in politics or mm-hmm. what was on scene. I'm like, yeah, so how's your running going? <laughs> you know, are you running? Are you still running? Are you doing that? Because yeah. um, you, you don't often, in your role especially, yeah. have the space or mm-hmm. the freedom sometimes. There's yeah. just so much to do. Mm-hmm. And you're so committed to what you're doing mm-hmm. that, you know, the word sacrifice, it's not even thought of as sacrifice anymore. It's, caught, it's thought of as duty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? But I do want to, like, I, for, for my sake, selfishly, I want to get to know Leah a little bit better today. Mm-hmm. And I think for all of us, um, you know, yeah, there are the things that you stand for and the things mm-hmm. that you work for. And we'll talk about that. But before all of that, um, you know, it, because I think I, I want to really understand. And really when I was thinking about it, for someone, uh, a woman, to come as far as you, you have and, and to, to have gone through everything that you have. And for me as a guy who doesn't appreciate it, who doesn't mm-hmm. understand it, mm-hmm. I want to get a better understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for me, but I think for a lot of people, a lot of women who mm-hmm. probably are looking at you going, yeah, but I'm not Leah. You know, mm-hmm. and they don't understand. They think that maybe uh, yeah, you had like these opportunities and, you know, you were in the right place at the right time and mm-hmm. they are not. Um, but before you even get to that, I just want, again, get, just get to know Leah, where you're coming from. Yeah. And I find that sometimes um, there are moments way, way long ago, we talked about that, mm-hmm. that there was this thought in your, in your experience or in your mind mm-hmm. that you were like... Um, yeah, hold on a second. Uh, I want to do something about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it might not have even been for everyone else. Right. It might have been something that you were looking at and then you were like, could have been high school, could have been university. Mm-hmm. W- w- recall, you said there are so many. Pick yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Earlier on where you were like, wait, this doesn't sit right with me, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> what oh. was that scenario? Do you remember one? Wow. It comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, like, again, really? the, the question is always which one because there's so many. Yeah. But 
and and I think, like you said, there's threads. Things happen in your life, and then they resurface, and they right. come again. So one thing that comes to mind is um, actually um, when I when we adopted our second daughter. Okay. And um, it may sound like something um, unrelated, but it was it was one of those situations where I. You know, I, I got married a little bit later in life. I had I'd always, and, and one of the things that happened when we, I decided we decided to adopt was my mother found a old scribbler of mine, an um, old notebook. Uh-huh. When we used to, you know, write notebooks back in those days in the schoolhouses. You know, remember those days? Yeah, exactly. Where a notebook was actually yeah, with paper. Exactly, right. and they kept they were kept right. So I had the physical little <laughs> yellow notebook, um, and there was a story in there about how I was going to have a large family, but it would they were all going to all my children were going to be adopted. Seriously? Yeah. And this and was from like grade three this? maybe or something. Oh. I don't know, like way back. Wow. And um, I, um, I I didn't get married until later in my life. And, and when I did. Do you remember writing that story? You know, when I read it, it kind of came back to me. That, really? That feeling about it and why. Yeah. yeah. It was so it was so interesting. It was like, wow, yeah, that, like, that has been Why would a, three, a grade three say something like that? Like, I think maybe because I was raised in a family where my parents were all about taking care of other people. Okay. And there was always other people in our home, people that were that that needed to come for a dinner or needed you didn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving or okay. whatever it was. So there was always people around. And I we didn't really well my my father's family his his mother had kind of adopted one of my uncles and there were a few other people right. who were kind of like you didn't quite know how they fit in the family they were there but they weren't they yeah. weren't born into the family sure and so i think i always had that sense that we kind of make our families mm. and um and i don't think it was at all um environmental or altruistic at that time you know even right. though some people look at it and, and right. say i think it was just that was a feeling that 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 was how i was going to make my family huh. maybe i was even afraid of childbirth at that time i don't know <laughs> but you know maybe i looked at it and said hey but um but so when um when I got married later in, in life, and I, my husband had three wonderful young boys. They were quite young. Mm. And, and so I had an instant family. I had right. these three great kids. Right. And, um, um, and I hadn't, I, I guess in a way, they, they weren't adopted, but they were, became yeah. part of my family. Right. And, or our family. And uh, then we had another son together. Okay. And um, at that point, I figured, well... He does boys. <laughs> My husband he has boys, and I thought, you know what? Um, I, I'd always, I guess, I had that feeling like, why don't we adopt? Why would he help someone, uh, another child? And plus, I wanted to grow our family, and I did want a daughter. Right. And I thought that would be a nice balance, you know. So. Uh, but my husband wasn't keen on it right away. He was kind okay. of like, not sure about the adoption. Let's try and have another you know, child right. or whatever. So we went right. through in vitro, right. which is a whole story in itself that sure. I won't go into. But a lot of women sure. have these challenges. Yeah. Um, and, and eventually I said, you know, I really, I really think we should adopt. And uh, so the first, our first daughter we adopted when she was uh, younger. And it, was, it, was quite, it wasn't smooth. There was a whole story there, too. But it was really the, our second daughter. So it was, I think, five or six years later, okay. and I'd been working, um, and uh, I woke up one day, and I just said, it was like that thing where, where you said you get so busy, and then you forget, and I kind of went, oh, my God, I forgot I wanted a sister for, for Nadia. <laughs> you know, I forgot we were going to adopt another girl. Like, okay, I thought, wow. I, I kind of, it came back to me, and I kind of started thinking about it, thinking, you know what, this would be a really good thing, and my kids all wanted us to adopt an infant. And I said, mm, I, I'm okay. not going to do that. It's, it's, you know, like, first of all, the other thing about it was I had done a lot of work since adopting our first daughter, okay. looking into children in homes. And, right. and uh, first daughter, Nadia, was 
adopted in um, the Moscow region. Right. And actually, the number of children in children's homes in, in Russia had increased significantly. Okay. And the older children were really not being adopted. Um, and so I said, so my husband and I decided to start down the adventure of adopting an older child, an older daughter. Um, so you went and did it because... Like that played into your decision. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I, I just said, you know, and 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 again in Russia there were the, there was the need for this, and there was a program, and I thought let's let's explore this, let's go down this road. And why, I remember why going, Russia? Like, is there? Well, <laughs> that's another whole story. But okay, my my mother is Dutch. She was an immigrant to to Canada. Okay, her family was kind of. Prussian background and one of Got it. after doing a family tree thing with her I found there was a name um, Nikolai okay which is very Russian sounding yes. at the time I thought there was actually Russian background um, but also there was the number of children so it was kind of one of these things we were yeah. looking where do you adopt from right. there were a lot of kids that needed homes in Russia at the yeah. time and so, I thought so we had some connection so your family is like your second generation immigrant like your yeah oh yeah I'm a, I'm a yeah my mother came over here in um, 1947 on a boat that landed, actually one of the only boats at the time that went to the port of Montreal. Most of them went to Halifax, but that's, okay. yeah, really, uh, yeah. really, uh, her story is, is fascinating too. But, um, so, so I thought, you know, Russia, and we'd already adopted Nadia from Russia, and I thought, well, let's, this is meant to be. So we went through all of the procedures that you go through, you do everything, and yes. um, everything was lining up, and we were um, set to go to a meeting that you had to do before the children actually arrived for the summer camp program. And um, we got a call, and the there had been some kind of a, a international incident between Russia and the United States, and they decided to become more strict on allowing Russian children to come to the United States. And the cutoff they decided on was that any child under seven. Of course. And my daughter, um, Christina, was at that time uh, six and a half. She was also very, very tiny and um, had suffered from a number of different things um, growing up. And and uh, I think she weighed about 34 pounds. But we had, I had been sent a picture of her already right. in advance of this meeting. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the photo, and I can still see the photo in my eye, in my mind's eye, um, I knew right away that this was my daughter. Like, wow. this was our daughter. This was meant to be. Wow. And so when I got the call that they weren't going to allow Christina to come because she didn't meet the age requirement, hmm. um, I was devastated. You know, I was kind of, I thought, why, why would that happen? And what does that mean? And where do I go? And it was, um, it was really tough. And, and I remember crying and thinking about it and just going, well, you know what? Um, um, all you can do is keep trying. And I was on the phone every week, every week, um, every Friday. In fact, it was a Friday call. <laughs> I would call, yeah. and I'd talk to them, and I'd insist and say, "There's no, you know, there's no reason why this cut of this arbitrary cutoff makes sense." And I knew that in Christina's case, she was a child that was more difficult to place in some ways. And um, so I just kept fighting. I fought for her. I fought for her. I fought for her. And finally, they agreed to let her come to the summer camp program which were you was the like, first step. Were you in politics at that time? Or what no, were you no, I wasn't in politics. No, I was just, um, I was working. Just, um. <laughs> just I was working. Um, it was just a working. Mom. I was working. I had a lot of, we had a lot of kids that we were trying, we were raising and I just knew, but I, you, you get a sense sometimes you see something and a picture like that and it's, it's that want, right? It goes to the want and you look at it and you go, but there's, it's deeper than just a want. It's kind yeah. of a knowing Right. sometimes that you know it's the right thing to be doing I don't know sometimes I get that sense when you're in that situation though um, you know that 
first of all, like you said, you're devastated, right? Like, mm. So there's this, like you, there's an emotional toll. For sure. And when we're in that state, you also want to be a problem solver, but mm -hmm. it's hard to be a problem solver when we're in that sort of state of mind. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's, first of all, there's that. Yeah. Then there is, um, you're still trying to balance the rest of life mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is, where do you start? I know. Like, who do you call? Because your, yeah. your first answers are all no. Yeah. And usually the way that's presented to you is like, okay, well, go ahead, change the law, and then call us back because yeah. the, the, it's a dead end usually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think for... So what makes you think that at, at a dead end you have a chance? <laughs> I think maybe just, just the belief that you think it's, it's meant to happen. Hmm. Like you think that it's not not inevitable. Like I said, when I saw her picture right. at that moment, and it, it didn't always like those things don't always happen to me where I, I'm that sure. Right. But I saw the picture and I kind of went, yeah, she's part of our family. She's gonna be part of our family, and I knew that. And so I just had this sense that you just you know as they say, it's uh, you know success is mostly about showing up. Right. Huh. You just keep doing. You keep at it. You keep at it, and you don't. Sometimes you just don't take no for an answer. And and at was there a time that you were thinking? They're not giving in or was, was, and maybe I need to start letting go. Like, was there messages either from yourself or maybe from others around you saying, like, maybe you need to prepare yourself that this is not going to work out, Leah? Well, I think the reality was that if she had not been allowed to come on the program, there probably would have been another child right. that I could have been matched with. Right. But at that point, I kind of was determined. You're committed. I'm committed. I'm right. going to work on this. And yeah. I guess the default, although I didn't think of it at that time, would be there'd be another child in the program that I would meet and that right. we'd be, get to know and 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 get to bring um, bring home. But, but you weren't thinking plan B. No, I wasn't thinking plan <laughs> but B. Were I was others, just thinking plan Were you a. getting that message? But others, was, was there another message coming to you from outside of yourself saying, Leah, like, maybe it's time? Yeah. You know? That's no, amazing. No, not at that time. Not at that time. And I think I think that's part of it is that when you Good. You just kind of know when you keep going. But or maybe you weren't hearing it. <laughs> maybe I was ignoring it. I've been told I don't listen sometimes. Uh, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, I get the same thing. So yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe there were people going, yeah, Leah, yeah, you know not what? Work out. We tried to tell her, but she wouldn't listen. Exactly. exactly. You get that, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember coming back for the meeting. We had been out of the country coming back for the meeting to talk about this. And they had already given us the information. And I was at two of my other children. They, it was their end of year picnic or something. And yeah. getting the news there and like being you know, crying, just being yeah. devastated by this. And we'd just come home, but I still went. I still kept going. I still kept doing it like it was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't stop. And I well, just... I could tell you, the people you were talking to on the other side were surely telling you this ain't happening. Right, right. right. And right. so there's that. So there's definitely a message coming yeah. back to you going, you know, you're yeah. delude. like this is not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not buying it. Yeah. Um, and you did know, it like, what, did they do right away going, yeah, I think, Leah, I see your point. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, they didn't think they could make it happen either. Right. But, you know, part of it so may have been. So finally started giving, when did you start noticing the, the, the thing was starting to turn? It was, it was bef just before they were supposed to be coming, the children were supposed to be coming over. Okay. And finally, I mean, I think just talking to them and they're talking to the children's home in, this was in Khabarovsk, which is the far east of Russia. Okay. Um, about Christina and trying to convince them that this was the right thing. So I think they got the or the children's home or orphanage on side right. um, to to um, advocate for Christina's future and to give her a chance. Um, because I think there was a bit of a subtext to a bit of a problem where the Russian government didn't want children who weren't um, perfect, let's say, mm -hmm. um, to come. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that they didn't want problems. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was this feeling that because Christina had been a failure to thrive child, right. that there was something there. And um, I kept saying, but that's because she hasn't had 
the love and support in a home, right? right. I mean, like right. give her a chance. And I think I think there was just enough people that got on board. And you know, I think another part of why I was so sure about it was because our experience with our first daughter mm. was not so different where I'd been told no. Right. And I just ignored it and persisted and we adopted her. So it was, there was this feeling like you can make it happen. Like if you just keep at it, yeah, it was a totally before. different thing that had come up, but it was a similar thing where, you know, and I thought you just keep trying until, until, you know, I guess I kept trying and thinking until the moment that those children came on the plane from Russia and landed, um, that, um, there was hope right until the last moment. And so just keep going. And I think it was about a week before they were going to travel over, I was told she was going to come. Wow. Yeah. And it was amazing. And I still remember meeting her at that um, that house because it was a home where all the kids came to. And <laughs> sorry. No, it's fine. No, it's, she, was, yeah. she was this tiny little thing. You know, you know, she didn't speak any. And in fact, and in fact on, the, on the trip over, they had to spend a night in London. And I think um, she had been left behind in an elevator wow. she'd never been in an elevator before she'd never been in a plane before i don't even think she'd been in a car before quite wow. frankly and um she'd been left behind and for the first few years of her life she would never go in an elevator i used to have to walk up so wow. many stairs with her wow i just keep walking but so she 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 made it over with the the group and we met her and i i had um we had our dog with us and that was the first thing she bonded with because she couldn't speak the language right she didn't know any of us right but animals have that energy right yeah 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 and she just went to the animal the, the dog right. and she was right. so you know um enthralled and and she spent the summer and but, but then they had to, all the children had to go back because it was a program where children came over to stay with families but um, some might decide not to adopt the children. Right, okay. And I always knew I would. It was not a question sure. in my mind, but sure. it was the way the program worked. Right. So she had to get back on a plane and go, and it was, again, I would oh say, even harder than not knowing, because then you knew and you had to let your child return. Right. To a place where, you know, I, I know the, the people in the homes did the best they could, like mm -hmm. they all had the best intentions, but, you know, there were a hundred children and, or more and you know when when we finally did go there you know she was she slept in a room where there was just so many beds lined up and she was in the back corner you know by herself and right. it was just it was a very different kind of existence um and i think she was very lonely a lot of the times and and didn't get the kind of um you know nurturing and, and love that she needed so i'm um, letting her go back um and then i did the same thing. They said, it's going to take a year to get through the adoption process. You have to come over twice. You have to do this and that. And, you know, it's going to take forever. And um, she went back the end of August. And um, she was adopted on her birthday, which was hmm. December 25th, Christmas Day. Oh, okay. I was in Habarovsk in Russia in the Far East wow. <laughs> with two of my kids. Uh, and, um, and we spent uh, a month there. And I brought her home by the new year. Yeah. So it was, it was an amazing amazing adventure and it was just a story though of everything you know it's not just you right mm -hmm. it's not just the story like the story of me it's i didn't make it all happen like other right. people did right right it was the universe i think supporting right. something and i think there was a reason and um that it happened and uh it just was continuing to push to believe yeah to believe to push well, at um, one point in time do you start looking at it and you're like this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> like you, yeah. I mean, look, when you talk about oh, your 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 family and seeing extensions to your family around mm -hmm. you, 
it just seems like to be working. I always call it like the difference between the dining room and the kitchen in yeah. a restaurant. Like yeah, you yeah. see the dining room, yeah. you don't see the kitchen. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And But when you're a child and you're looking at all these people around, you're like, oh, this is nice. I like it. This is, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. this feeling. Because yeah. we had the same thing in our yeah. house. Yeah. It's beautiful. I, yeah. I want more people. Yeah. Uh, and then when it's your turn to like, it's your home right. and you're doing all of this, it's hard. Mm. So y- you get this feeling yeah. that this is sometimes not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not. Like, but it, you know, it's not. And there's always challenges, I think. Everybody wants to have comfort and fun and good. Of course. But then you're, you're dealing with these moments and they suck. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard. Yeah, it is. It is. But there you, are definitely and, and moments. You, but you went, you went towards it still, is my, what I'm thinking. Yeah. Not once. Yeah. Like multiple yeah, yeah, times. Yeah. No, it's true. Why would you do that over again and over and over again? I don't, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. And I think some of the decisions I've made in my life, people look at me and I, and I just say, temporary insanity. Like, what can I say? You know? Oh, I don't buy you, that. No, it's, it's not. It's not. No. It's a, it's a what feeling. What did you see? Like, what, why would you put yourself through this? I don't know. I think, but I don't think I'm unique. You know, I think this is the no, thing. I'm not I think worried that, about whether no, you're every, unique or not. But why did you do it? Everybody has a, a sense of kind of what they want and like what what's possible and what's right. worth putting effort into. And I okay. think, you know, having yeah. been in Russia once before to adopt Nadia, right, and seeing her baby home in in Moscow, and knowing and seeing the numbers rise from 250,000 children in when we adopted Nadia in 2000 right. to. Um, when we adopted Christina in 2007, there were 750,000 children in homes in Russia. And things hadn't gotten better. So knowing what condition these children were living in, um, and I remember the first time when we adopted Nadia, the the thing the judge said to us is, why don't you take more children? And Hmm. I said, you know, I want to, but I'd done a lot of research and reading, of course, and, and saw that the best way for children to become part of your family is to adopt one child at a time. Right. Um, And there's also the other... You know, you have to look at so you your do, reality. So you were like, have you set yourself some practical limits too as well? Well, and considering yeah, the other good. kids in the family right. and my husband, who may not have had quite the same <laughs> appetite for as many children, you right. know, in the end. But right. um, but you know, he 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 was always very supportive. These are significant and factors. They're all factors, right? You have to deal with. Then you say, well, what can I do? What can what's possible, right? And, <laughs> what is uh, the maximum that's possible? Right, right. right. To be able and, to do? Yeah. You didn't you didn't ask what's the minimum, <laughs> right? That well, we can do. I think I could have done more, but you know, again. Right. It, it's, it is. You, you reach those points in your life and you kind of look at it and go, okay. And with Christina as well, she had more um, needs. You know, she was failure to thrive and I, and I thought and she was seven, which is a very different thing than adopting a one-year-old. Sure. So that takes more um, time and focus. And when you have other children as well, right. you kind of go, okay, what's, there's, a, there's a balance there. What's the responsible thing to do yeah. for your family? And we all have different limits, right, on what we'll do. So all of this happens, um, you, you have, you, you, you go through this, and again, some people think about doing it, mm. they don't. Yeah. Some people do it once, mm-hmm. and then like, that was hard enough. Right. You do this multiple times, and mm-hmm. still say you could have done more, okay, yeah. fine. Uh, so you go through these, it's, it's, it's starting to make sense now why, if you could do that, you know, <laughs> the guy's on the hill, you know, <laughs> like, you know, but, but still uh, at some point in time, right? At that point in time, you were not yet into politics. So at what yeah. point in time did you sort of say, like, what drove you towards that from whatever, you, what were you doing before this? Well, I, I, at that time, well, I had been in business. I oh, um, worked okay. in consulting and then I was, my husband and I had a company, so we were entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, and had um, done a lot of work on that, and we eventually sold our company. Okay. And we decided that time that you know we had enough, and and let's put our focus on our family. So we spent okay. time with the kids and really um, doing a lot of other 
things. I'd started a foundation to um, help women um, with microcredit projects around the world. So I worked on, cool. and I traveled a lot with that and, and, and helped. Um, but, but always from the perspective of working with organizations on the ground because I knew I had my base where I was and I had my family. Sure. And um, so I wanted, mostly I, I raised money for them. Okay. And I worked and with par- in partnership and went and met with the women in these, in these areas. And it was, it was really interesting. I did it for over 10 years and while we were building which, our which, family. Which uh, years were these from where to where? Oh, gosh, that was probably from 2003 <coughs> to 2000 and, even earlier than that, that's a good question. The, the early, the first maybe the first decade of the 2000s, somewhere okay. around there. something about 2010-ish, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'd adopted Nadia. <clears throat> um, in fact, it was so probably, yeah, 1998. So I'd worked on that. And I knew um, when my when Christina, the youngest, our, our the last child, turned 18, um, I thought, you know what, I have <clears throat> a lot more energy. I have a lot more to do. It also coincided with a couple of things. One was Donald Trump being elected in the United States. Huh. And I was very worried about, and, and an overall trend in our world. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, my background and my family is also politics. Um, my father it ran, but, he, <clears throat> but my family was always about community service and helping people. Sure. So he ran for office and he was mayor in our town for a while, but it, was, it was, came from community and from helping, not necessarily from politics. Although he was involved with the Liberal Party and did policy work on when when the Trudeau Sr. was uh, Prime Minister okay. as well. Um, so that had been there, and um, I had had an interest, and over the years been involved in different campaigns, but not personally. But I decided after Donald Trump won, and um, that, you know, I should, I should if I can do something. You a serious look on your face all of a sudden. Uh, I so did. I went, I need you to know do what? something about this. This can happen in Canada. Like, we can't take <clears throat> our democracy. We can't take um, our 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 principles, our values as Canadians for granted, like things can change dramatically. And if there's a way I can make a difference, I, I want to. So I just decided, well, let me, you know, start thinking about it. And um, like I say, Christina was 18. We were in Canada. She was going to a, a special school. And um, I decided, uh, yeah, so I started just to think about it. And I'm one thing led to the next. And what, I, what was the one thing? What was the first thing? Like, you know, it's a good question. How do you my, go from like... My brother was mayor. Okay. Um, I was back okay. here. There was a number of things that had happened. So you talking to people. Other challenges yeah. where my time had been put into caring for children. And my right. father was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I was helping him on his journey. Right. So a number of things had happened. And then there came a point where we were sitting down and... It was, uh, I guess, nominations for the election were coming up, and I Which made a election? joke. Like what? Uh, this would have been 2019. Okay. So this for was like 2018. Or 2018. For what? No federal election. Or federal, a federal election. election. 2018. Okay. My daughter had just turned 18. Yeah, let's just go for it. Well, okay. You know, and and I was sitting there, and I and uh, my brother was mayor. I still is mayor in Newmarket, but we were okay. sitting around the family table, and somebody mentioned, you know, something about running, and I said, oh, I can't run in Newmarket, they have a good candidate right now anyway, and right. my brother's mayor, which would make it a little awkward because being a mayor is a nonpartisan role, and right. I thought, no, I'm not gonna do that. And then somebody at the table, I don't remember who it was now, said, you know, they're looking for a candidate in the next riding in Aurora Oak Bridges, Richmond Hill, uh-huh. which is, which was my neighbor, like I felt right. that was my neighborhood, yeah, York correct. region, and I'd grown up driving back and forth to U of T and spent a lot of time there, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And they said, yeah, they really, they're looking for somebody, they really need a good candidate, and I thought, well, well, I'll talk to them. If they think I'm a good candidate, then maybe maybe I'll do it. I didn't think there was a candidate there, actually. There was somebody who wanted to run, but I guess 
they didn't, um, they were still looking for other candidates. Sure. They wanted a nomination with sure. contestants, you know, right. people to run, yeah. et cetera. A, they want to be thorough. They want to yeah, be and they, and, and also the Liberal Party has a measure, which I think is a very good one, of trying to encourage women to run. Hmm. Because women often won't come forward without someone nudging them. Hmm. So all of our um, associations are asked to encourage or at least to look at a woman. It doesn't mean they're going to be the candidate at all. It just means that they go out and say, why don't you run for the position? And then they go through the nomination. Right. So okay. I went, I met with them, and um, um, I got a lot of support, and I, I put my name in the hat, and I ran for the nomination three months before the election. Three months before the election. So, so you're like, you've never been in politics before this. No. Well, I mean, you've been around people yeah, been in, around. in community yep, service. Yep. So you know, like you yep. know what an election is. You're obviously mm-hmm. going through the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's at the end of the day, like there's a, it's a whole different world. It is. As uh, I found out, <laughs> being the candidate so you didn't is very different. <laughs> so you didn't know this going in. Not, okay, that's good. Not everything in entirely. A way, no, yeah, yeah. In a way, that's, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like parenthood. You don't know before you have a kid that what it's going to be like, right? And you don't know what Fair the enough. child's going to be like. You don't know. So many things in our life we do thinking we know. Right. Sort of, kind of. Right. And then we realize mm, it's a lot different than you thought. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so like the uh, you spoke to people in the party, or like exactly um, like when you say you, you met with them. Yeah. I'm, well, the the association, the liberal association in the riding, meets okay. with anybody who's a potential candidate who would like okay. to be a candidate. Okay. They usually interview you. Have to put in an application to the party. It's a it's a process. Oh, it's a process. And a lot of sometimes just looking at the process. <laughs> forms the bill and me. Yeah. it's a little daunting oh it is. is totally yeah all the things you like have to you fill out like you've never done this before no. I, I mean just the application for the the um, to be greenlit by the party for the party to approve you as a potential candidate first right. then you have to go into the community you have to get I can't even remember how many signatures it was right so many signatures <laughs> and um you know, and then you've got to think about how do you organize your campaign? How yeah. do you get right. people out? It's, it's, and there's really, at that point... And you've never done this before. No, and you're not part of the party right. at this point. You're on your own. You're, you're trying to become the candidate for the party. So there's no support. Like, there's no support. There's nobody telling you this is how it's done. This is, you know, what right. to do. So you just start looking. You just start reaching out to people, connecting. Like, and, you know, kind of like my story, you just keep going. You know, you know every day you try and talk to one more person. And hopefully they... Have. Now, again, I was I was lucky in that my family was in the area and had been involved. And without my family, right. I don't think it would have been possible. Well, I mean, I hear that a lot in every case. That yeah. There's like there's a support that you can go back to and you can lean Absolutely. on. Absolutely. But on some level, you're still alone because you mm-hmm. are there for the first time. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's the next what the next step mm-hmm. looks like. No. You don't know if you're doing it right. No. You, you weren't given a book or a guide, uh, and maybe there even isn't one, right? Like there may be one, but yeah. you certainly hadn't looked at it well, at Well, you this find point. out after there is. I mean, <laughs> right. that's always the case, right? right? You find Isn't out when, the more you get into it, you say, oh, right. that was there. And now I know when if somebody comes to me and says they want to run, I can tell them a lot of things to look at and do. Right. But in the moment, and plus it was so soon before the election. Right. Our nomination was in August of 2019. The election was in, uh, I think it was September that year, or October the 1st. Because the first time I ran, I lost. Oh, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I lost. So, I, I ran, I ran, I won the nomination. Okay. Which was huge for me. I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's a win. Yeah. It's huge. Um, and But then we only had a month, two months to get ready for the election. And that's a very short time, as I now know, very short time, especially when you're new. Right. Where I wasn't well known in this riding. Right. My name wasn't known. And, and name recognition is a big thing, just having, you know, people you've connected to. And, of course, I'd done that through the nomination and through other things. Right. But it was still, um, it was still a real... Um, 
a real feat to try and organize and, and get the campaign going and get out there and knock on doors. And, and I was running against a woman who had been a liberal and crossed okay. the floor to the conservatives. So that's quite the opponent, right? And she, quite frankly, if people don't know you and you know how when you're not, and most people aren't super interested in these things, quite frankly. Right? So we're both tall, blonde, Northern European backgrounds. Okay. Her name was Leona. My name was Leah. Okay. So a lot of similarities, a lot of confusion, a lot of things that happened. Sure. And she was had been the member for She's in five, uh, five years. I want to know, was it three? Three or four years already, three right. years. So she had name recognition. She had been there as a liberal and then as a conservative. Um, and so it was really interesting. It was... It was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it was exhausting. It was uh, challenging. It was frustrating at times. And sometimes I would sit there and go, what am I doing? Like, yeah, I can't when, believe I'm doing this. Yeah, when, the, <laughs> when they finally add it all up and you find out yeah. it's not like, because l- leading up to that moment, like you could win, you could win, you could right. win. There's a sense of like, yeah, right. And you're already thinking about the next steps now. Mm-hmm. You have to plan, right? right. And then it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, you don't sit there and you say to yourself, wow, at least I did it and I got this far. No, 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 I didn't. I mean, and I think it, election, losing an election is hard. But as I say, and I still say this, and I'm going to be running again, and people say, oh, look at the polls today. Are you crazy? What are you doing? And I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. Our democracy requires that people run mm-hmm. regardless of the polls. We need people to run who believe in in certain things and put out what they believe and what they stand for right. regardless if – because – that's democracy. If everybody who thought they were going to lose didn't run, we would have a dictatorship. I mean, that's not how it works in our democracy. And right. if you believe in what you're doing, if you believe in the principles, then it doesn't you, – you still run. You always run with the goal of attaining – of getting the seat, of being there. But just the process, just running, just right. being the candidate right. is an important part of democracy. And you, you talk to so many people and you, you explain why – why you are there, what your hope is for the riding, for the people, for the country. Right. And you give people a choice. Right. You know, and they'll choose what they want to choose. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's important. So it wasn't, it wasn't at that point likely I was going to win because I was new, I wasn't known, it was, it was not a huge swing election right. um, like 2015 was. Right. But it didn't matter. I said, well, I go. And when I lost, I probably took a week or so. Mm-hmm of re-examining it. And then I phoned some people in Ottawa and said, can I come and talk to you? And I want to see um, what I can do. I want to see. And I just, I kept running. I didn't stop. So in this, in that week where you're like yeah. reconciling, because I think that's where, you know, um, and I'm, this is not maybe the right way to say it, but I know you, I'm, and you know what I mean when I say mm-hmm. this, but you were defeated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, here's the winner and they are yeah. going to move on and you're not going to do that. You're right. not this right. person. You're not yeah. in this yeah. role. But you're not defeated, actually, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, this was this one step. Yeah. But really, the world's telling you, okay, that part's done. Yeah, we chose her. And we now like you. We chose her. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you're not all good the enough. best. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for Thanks. showing up. Yeah, Democracy exactly. had its thing. Sayonara. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what everyone does. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. then they leave you. And you're, yeah. you're like... Yeah. You're like forgotten, literally, yeah. in some yeah. ways, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Is that Absolutely. how it feels, right? To a certain extent. And I think, you know, people find that as candidates. But, you know, I, I don't – and again, it's, it's kind of like you can go through that and you can say, okay, it was a failure. I, I wasn't elected or whatever. Or you can say, it wasn't the right time. Okay. You know, the cause I, – I have this saying, the cause right. is in the future, which is things happen. You don't know why. But you find out later why they happen. Hmm. And I actually believe after that that yeah, the why did that two happen? years that I spent yes. um, between 2019 and 2021, if I hadn't spent that time, 
I don't think I would have been as effective as a member of parliament when I was elected because that hmm. gave me time to really get to know the riding better, to get to know the organizations better, the players, the people who are making a difference on the ground. And I went to so many different things that I didn't have time to do in that three-month period. You know, um, community events, um, meeting key, key players, like I say, and just really understanding. Um, and so when I was did run again and was eventually elected, I had this much better, um, not only understanding, but network, ability to get things done because I, I knew who to reach out to. I'd, I'd already connected with people. And, and so I really felt like it, it allowed me to do a better job when I was elected. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it, it, it's, it's often when we don't get what we strive for, like on the first shot, mm-hmm. um, when we go through that reevaluation, then we dis- there's this discovery, mm-hmm. and that discovery is what really sets us up, just Absolutely. the way that you're saying it. Yeah. So it makes you wonder, had you won, right? right? Would you have right. been? You really believe that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would have it been was, really hard, because even when I did win in 2021, there was still a lot to learn, and the, yeah. because you don't have the whole knowledge of how the government works, right. of how the house works, right. of all of the little things there. So at least... I kind of had that part of understanding my constituency better. And you didn't have to worry about the limelight at that time. Yeah. You're able to, to do the learning exactly. and the, the, the developing. Those are wins. Yeah, and I, and I think it's so important. I say to people, you know, and, and you said people look up to you, and I think, well, I understand that. But on the other hand, you know, you think there's – it is a real honor to be elected and to serve. Yes. And, I, and, and to be in the House, and I, I don't take that for granted. And then there's a part of it which says, I'm, but I'm just like everyone else. Like it's not – I'm just somebody – who decided this is something I wanted to do and could do. Right. And that was my way. It was kind of the way I saw and thought, this is the way I can maybe make a difference. Right. Everybody does it in a different way. Yes. So I don't see myself as that, as elevated anyway. I see myself, and, and those two years actually helped me because I wasn't the member then. Right. I was, I was just a, a, a resident, a constituent like anybody else. Well, if, if someone was to see you today, Really, it's like well, Leah always gets what Leah wants. You know, Leah's mm-hmm. like you know, like you know, uh, yeah. she's never she doesn't know what it's like to not get to to mm-hmm. lose to, to to. I didn't know. I mean, yeah. honestly, if I didn't think about it, yeah. Um, yeah. Because again, those stories and those moments, mm-hmm. kind of like yeah, they're part of the history, but they're somewhere over there. Yeah. But yeah. it's in that moment, I think, like you just said, you did you did somebody like your probably your greatest, you, you know, development. Your greatest strides were taken in that moment. And it allow you to kind of have that pace and the momentum coming in the second time. Yeah, yeah. and be able to serve better. Like I think I was a better MP because of it. Yeah. So, and I think for me, representation, you're making sure that you're you're really like as a member of parliament. And and people sometimes say, "Oh, you're backbencher." And I said, "Well, to me, it's the most important role because you're representing Canadians. And not only is that important because of the representation, but it's important because of what that means to." how people feel about the government and whether people think it's relevant or want to be involved or right. or see that democracy is something important. And so if we don't have people who want to just be people representing people, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and we have people all who want to, you know, um, you know, be cabinet ministers or do this or that or fly off here and there. It's it's like yes, there's there's that role to our job too. And I'm not I'm not saying we need we have amazing cabinet ministers. I appreciate so much the work they sure. do, and it's fantastic. But I think the first role of a member of parliament and the most important role is representing your constituents. Um, and so I I I'm really pleased to be doing it. I'm I'm honored, and I think you know. We'll see what the future holds. Maybe there's more in store for me. Maybe there's not. I'll run again. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love what I'm doing. I love helping people. And 
I just kind of figure, well, I'll give people the choice again. Well, I think they know me. That, that seems to be like just the common denominator with you. Um, and I, you know, something else that also I, I also realize now is that, you know, when when you don't win the first time, it's not just like a. There, there might be people in the party going, maybe you weren't the right candidate, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. may, like forget about okay, maybe the like you said there was more that you can problem solve yep. for for your mm-hmm. scenario as you being the candidate. Right. But there are others problem solving without your name in in the mix. Absolutely, going, they look at those. So you gotta. So you also have that to deal with. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't just say, hey, if I had more time, I could do this, or right. I'm better now. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. No. You know? And you had to get renominated again. And even this time as a sitting MP, I had to be renominated again okay. as the candidate. So they're always looking at you and assessing. And I think, I think there what it goes back to is, you know, you can lose because you don't do the work, right. or you can lose because of other things. I was just going to ask you about those challenges, right? Yeah. So, like, obviously, somebody who goes into public service knows that you're going to have to do the work. Right. Or are there people who actually think that this is some kind of a... You know, like no way, you, you couldn't. I don't have thought know. That. I think there. I think there are. I mean, I I look at the House of Commons when I'm there, and there's 338 yeah. members. You right knew now. there's work to do. Like, you, oh, I knew there was work to do. But you know, and and I do believe that most of the people in the House of Commons right. are there for the right reason. Yes. I do. Yeah. But there are some seats that are very very safe seats. Right. As a member, you really don't have to do much to be elected. Okay. Um, people don't demand anything of you. And, and, uh, maybe they do, but sure. it, and it's up to the individual to decide how much they do or not do. Someone said that to me once as well, like that that role is what you make of it. It is. You know? It is. And, and especially if you have a safe seat. Right. Because exactly. you're going to get elected just if you breathe. Right. <laughs> Basically, if you breathe right. and you have the party colors on, you're elected. Yeah. Um, and we see that out west a lot. Yeah. Um, we see that in some province, you know, some other ridings. There are certain ridings. Mine's not. The GTA right. is not like that. No. We, 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 I'm in a swing riding. People make up their mind on each election based on different things. So you're always, you, you never know. So can I ask you mm-hmm. now, um, there's things that you want to achieve, like mm-hmm. that you set out to, that motivated you to, to get in. Mm-hmm. Then, that's you. Mm-hmm. But then there is your riding and mm-hmm. what your riding wants. Yeah. And what the people in your yeah. riding think is important. Yeah. I can't imagine that they're always like, <laughs> like no. right? There's no. some reconciliation to take place there. Mm-hmm. So how, how, how do you Yeah. Well, you the, you know, and the interesting thing is not, I, I believe my, like I say, the most important role is to represent the riding. Right. The reality is that the riding is not always homogenous. I mean, they're not in agreement right. about what they think you should do, as you right. can see, so because if you do this, you're so many get... people vote conservative, liberal, NDP, so there's different opinions, and even within liberals on certain issues. Right. So you have, I mean, I think the most important thing is the conversations, to be talking to people constantly. Okay. If you, um, to be listening, not just having a conversation, but to listening to people. Right. Um, taking what you hear from people in your riding, right. and then integrating it with what you know is happening in the government, what can be done, what kind of effect things will have, where we're at as a country, what, because there's a lot of times where people might want something but don't always understand. And it's not because of ignorance, it's just because they don't see the other half right. that I see in government. Sure. You know, um, so you have to kind of weigh that and you also then have to be true to yourself. Right. And when I ran, I was, I, and I think I'm pretty clear on my values. Mm-hmm. And so people, to a certain extent, have to trust you, trust your lived experience, trust your background, your education, whatever it is, your family, whatever. Right. Whatever it is they value. They have right. to trust what they know about you, that you're going to do the best job you can um, to help them and to help the country. Well, but like from the little that I see, um, at the end of the day, people want what they want. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, and they're not in your shoes. They right. don't have to worry about navigating. Is this is mm-hmm. this fair? Is this good for mm-hmm. Canada? Mm-hmm. They just want what they want. Yep. So generally. Yep. Uh, many are just in survival modes, yep. right? Yep. And before they have to worry about their neighbor and let alone the entire country. Yep. <laughs> so there's there there's already they're already on a different page than you. Mm-hmm. So they come to you, mm-hmm. and they say, "Hey, yep. now go represent me." Yep. But this doesn't necessarily align with maybe what you're you want to go out there and do so how do you then how do you work through that before you get to government in your own head yeah like you might not stand for this right but your writing is telling you the people in your writing you're having and you have a way of being able to get a pulse right Mm -hmm. okay this is important to my writing right because keeping the writing satisfied means also you know you're staying in that position so that you can continue to serve and that's and how that's, does that that is such a hard balance because what do I, you do there? I I can't I I can't be a representative who I know it's important to be reelected. Don't get me wrong; it's important right. for many way, reasons. And for me, right now, given who the opposition is, I think it's very important. You need the support even to do what you're doing then in this but, term. But but I, I I can't make decisions based on whether people are going to vote for me or not. I can't do that. I, I because that's that's like. That's like being a business or short-term the stock market. We're worried about the next quarter's results. If if our if our representatives make decisions based on what they hear in one moment from electorate or from people, and don't do it based on a longer-term view, a view that that they really think hard about what the repercussions are and what their values are and how how they can really deliver for the riding. And maybe it sounds like you're not listening, but I listen. Uh-huh. I listen all the time. That's sure. so important. Right. You have to listen. But representing somebody doesn't always mean doing what they want you to do or doing what they say. Well, and you'd really? be schizophrenic anyway. You'd be schizophrenic because if I yeah. listened, if I if to represent someone I had to do what they said. Right. I would be taking diametrically opposed views on every issue right. because I get emails from one person who says protect the environment. I get an email from another person who says cut the carbon tax. I get an email from one person who says, you know, um, condemn, um, you know, stand for Palestine more strongly. I get something from another person who says help us with anti-Semitism. Right. Like, how do you yes. represent a diverse <laughs> group of people? Yes. You listen. Uh huh. You listen. You try and do what you think is the best thing to represent the community as a whole. And when I think about it, I think about, you know, the future of our riding, the future of our country. And, and let's just take, for example, the the situation, the, the war in, in Gaza right now. Okay. Right? And you can look at that and say, well, you know, um, should, you, should you be out there calling for a ceasefire? Initially, our government didn't. Um, and I supported that. Eventually, we have. Um, done that, but my my decision when I talked to people who wanted, who didn't want, who on every side, and I thought, what's 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 our role here? What's our government's role, and what's my role as a representative of this community? Right. Um, number one for me was really, it, we're in Canada. I'm a Canadian member of Parliament, and I'm a globalist. I care greatly about human rights and about the world. Right. And your past experience, yeah, like, speaks for itself. But but and and. And this is often the difficult thing. Two things can be true. And I saw what was happening in our community. I saw what was happening between people, mm. um, not just between Muslims and Jews, between people who were taking extreme sides yeah. and not putting themselves in the other person's shoes or trying to see the whole position. And, and emotions were very strong. Yeah. And the ongoing situation is horrendous. Yes. And I see why people have such strong reactions. I'm not in their shoes. I can't. I can't 
even say empathize. I can Mm -hmm. listen and I can try and understand the best, but I'll never be in their position either on any side. So I have to look at that and say, for me, one thing was I do not want to do anything to ignite more hatred, to ignite more division, to in any way increase Islamophobia or anti-Semitism in our riding, in our area, or in our country, mm. quite frankly, around the world, if I can. Right. But, right. You know, um, but, but I did not want to do anything that would do that. I, I also wanted to be sure that any actions we were taking actually could get some results. We have results. I'm, I'm okay. very much focused on, you know, people always accuse liberals of being, you know, woke and virtue signaling all these things. Whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm but I'm not interested in doing. That. I love how you do that. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, whatever. That's what they say. That's what they think. So whatever. Whatever. Yeah. But but so so that's what they think. That. But it's what you do, and and so for me, it's not about saying, you know, um, we need a ceasefire or you know, right to defend within whatever whatever position, extreme position. It's about what can we actually do that will help people. Right. What can we do? We're, that's we're not an easy power. answer either, right? Because no. either way you go, we're a medium-sized power in the world. Um, there are certain realities with the government in Israel right now and with Hamas. And you have to look at those things and look at our position and look at what you're trying to accomplish. And we had numerous Canadians, Palestinian Canadians, Israeli Canadians, right. other Canadians right. in the war zone yeah. that we needed to get out, that we wanted to help. Right. We also had relatives of them, you know, right. and we had a situation where we had to get the approval of Israel and Egypt for every person, put them on the list and get approval from both countries for every person that we were able to get out of that area. Mm-hmm. You do not accomplish that by taking extreme positions and calling people's names, people names. You do not accomplish that. Right. You do not accomplish getting any humanitarian aid into an area. Immediately, our Minister of International Assistance, Ahmed Hussein, we, we stepped up and we said, we're going to provide aid. How do you get it in there? Mm-hmm. We, it, was, it was too short. It wasn't enough, but we did manage to get a, a pause to get humanitarian aid for a while. We have a much better chance of getting that again than of getting a ceasefire right now. Mm-hmm. Not between the Netanyahu government and Hamas. So what do you work on? Do you work on virtue signaling and saying, this is what I want? Or do you work right. on things that you think you could actually make a difference on right. and help actually help people, get aid to those people? And maybe it's not enough, but maybe it saves the lives of some children who right. need the medicine. Right. Maybe, but, but if you can't do everything, can you do something? Right. And, and let's take action. So I'm not about taking extreme stance. I'm not about virtue signaling. I'm about working and I'm not about doing things because people will say I'll vote for you or not vote for you. Right. I'm about trying to figure out as best I can right. from from with seeing what's happening within our government and in our security forces and in the discussions we're having with our international allies and seeing what's happening here in Canada and figuring out what's the best way forward that's going to really you know, decrease hate and wow. help people. You know there's a, it reminds me of a saying that says the only way uh, to make everybody happy is to not stand for something. And you don't strike me as somebody who doesn't stand for something. No, I stand <laughs> so for something. So there are going to be people who are, on any given day... Uh, oh, very unhappy. And and one day they're happy with you, and the next day they're, they're not happy with right. you. And and you say to yourself, look, that just comes with the job. Do you, like, or what do you, like... Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have, I don't, my do skin is not that, thick man? enough. Day yeah. in, day out. I don't like, have, do do? I, oh I don't gosh. have alligator skin. I, I have... Honestly, I've talked to mayor. Of, yeah. You know, yeah. we've had him here. I've had conversations with councillors, yeah. MPs, MPPs, and I've always loved like I too love community service. Yeah, but I got to tell you, 
Like, and sometimes they've told me, you know, even when I was working with the board trades, it's like right. way down there. Like, yeah, no, it's but, not. But no, but literally nothing compared to like the, the kind of trials that you go through. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, the stuff that you have to deal with, there are people who have value to add, who have ideas, hearts are in the right place, right. but are so deterred Absolutely. to step into the... I'll, cu- I'll put my name on that list. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do something. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, to deal with what you have to deal with, the mm-hmm. distraction, the, the, the yapping that goes at yeah. you, the stuff on media that's yeah. said about you, all that stuff. And then you have a family and you have all of these things. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who want to jump in and help, but they're like, yeah. I'm not going to stand in that heat. Yeah. And it's not, it's not fair to me. It's not fair to you. To, yeah. to, do you ever feel that like it's not fit like you I'm trying to serve you yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to serve my community and I'm being shot at yeah but you right. know what I, I what I it's true it is I won't say it's not hard it is hard I don't have thick skin and it's part of, it is a bit of a problem being in this world in this life <laughs> it's a recipe, I'm doing like right how many now. coffees in a day do you know? like what is it I like, don't drink coffee <laughs> much but you know but it's so it does hurt me and 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 there are times when we talked about you know get down you have to get back up where I I I, I I get down. I mean, I had one particularly bad attack, um, social media attack from a conservative. And you get threats. You get called names. You get you, you, People say ugly things, and you're threatened. Yeah. And you, you kind of go, okay, I don't know how I can do this. And then you say, it's that, it's that fight or flight response, right? right? And you either decide to fold it in or you fight. And I guess I'm just, in the end, somebody who fights because I believe in it. You know, I don't want the bullies to take over the world. I don't want people who care deeply not to be able to serve. I, and and I think we we need to continue to fight and there hey and there are people who who just don't have it in them and their circumstances are different and if my children were younger you know if I was in a different position right now um, but I've lived a lot of life I've seen a lot of things I've had a lot of challenges and I kind of just say you just sometimes you just have to say it's that person and they're doing it you know if for whatever reason sometimes you know they're doing the best they can and they have they have a reason they're feeling that right now. They have a reason they're doing what they're doing. And so try and understand it. Don't take it personally, although that's hard. Uh, that's hard. Right. It's hard. Um, oh. And just keep your eye on what you're trying to do, like what your really your your focus is, and keep putting one foot in front of the other and get back up. Keep one foot in front of the other. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta say, like, do you ever get this message or this feeling? Oh, maybe, maybe my dear sister, my dear friend, my mom, mm-hmm. whatever, someone says, or just Leah saying this to herself, you've done enough. Mm. <laughs> Come on, like, you don't, you know, it's not on you. This is not your problem. Mm-hmm. You've done it. You've done everything that you could do. Just, you know, it's not worth taking this this kind of hit, this heat. You're, you're not what they say you are. They don't appreciate you enough. Stop. Did you, ever, ever, did you ever read the poem "Any We Do It Anyway"? <laughs> do it anyway, but not, not only that. Yes, like, I have I, read the poem. <laughs> you know, I'm still breathing, right? And I, not only am I still breathing, I have a ton of energy. Like I said, I've raised these kids. I've got to a point, my business career and everything else. And you reach a point, and I look ahead, and you know, my well, people are living to a hundred plus. I'm. I'm only in my early 60s. Do you remember what 60s? Bob Marley said, that whole, you know, when yeah. he was shot at, and he's like, look, people are trying to make it worse. Don't don't take a day off, so I'm not taking... Yeah. Fine. Just, you really? Like, when is it enough? Like, I guess when I get knocked down and I can't get back up again, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I, I, but I, but I think we just have to make that decision. And I don't, I don't fault people who make that decision. Right. I don't fault people sure. who can't. 
Right. Um, we're human. And we all have well, our like limits. Well, they gave it their all, right? They know that that's their all. And their life is different than mine, right? Yeah. They're dealing with other things. So, yeah. and, But as long as I can, I, I feel like I have that in me and I feel I have the energy and the desire. And you definitely I believe, have the energy and the yeah, desire. And the belief see. and I care greatly. Yeah. That's what I'll do. And then there'll be a point where... I can't anymore, and then somebody else will. And hopefully, I'll have mentored that person. Hopefully, I'll have helped other people. Is that part of the plan? Like, do you Absolutely. do that? Years? Absolutely. I'm always looking for people um, to run. And, and as a feminist and as someone who's lived through over my life and my career and business and other things through times where um, it's been difficult to be women and women are not represented enough, I have a particular focus on trying to get more women in politics. So if I'm a guy level. and I want to get in there, I can't talk to you oh, about Oh, no, this. you can totally come. Oh, I'm just asking you because totally. you said you're, like, you're promoting women. No, 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 women. no. So no, no about no. a guy? I, like, look, I, I, I want any person who's interested in any young person, I will encourage. And, I, and in our office, we've had lots of people, men and women. But um, for me, if I'm encouraging somebody, if I see somebody who has potential, because often the young girls won't think of it as much as the younger men. Really? Still. Yeah. But, you know, you walk through, you walk through the halls in Parliament. Yeah. It's all men. Mm. All men everywhere. We have a couple of women, right? We have Kim Campbell. Right. And we have Jean Sauvé. Every other painting. And I want a hall of women. Mm. I want, you know, we're 52% of our population or 51, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, we are not a minority. No. There's no reason why women shouldn't be represented the same way. Right. And yet for... For decades, for centuries, yeah. there were no women <laughs> and, and some women. And the women have proven that they solve, <laughs> they got things done. Yeah. Uh, like you said, yeah. like, you know, sometimes you might say, hey, I, look at how you're solving for it. Like, this is what we can get done. Yeah. And, and you're, you're moving, you're bringing people together. And yeah. sometimes, quite frankly, you're better at it. Well, I think it's, it's, we do, despite the fact I think women and men have, can have equal capacity to do things, I think we do things differently. Mm -hmm. And I think the balance, I think having men and women at the right. table is important. And I think having the diversity of Canada represented is important. Right. So it's not only about gender or sex, it's right. about also um, other representation because you have to, you have to be there. You don't under, you, I can't understand, you know, Lori Idloud, who's a, who's a um, NDP member, and, and she is um, Inuit. Right. I can't, I'm not in her shoes. I don't understand. So it's a great thing she's there in the house. Right. I look around. One of the things I love about the Liberal Caucus is we are the most diverse caucus. Right. We have the highest percentage, you know, of women of a large party. The Greens have two people. One's a woman, so they have 50%. Sure. But we have yeah. the highest. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have people from, from that represent every part of Canada. Right. You know, and I love that. And when we have discussions in our caucus, it is like the discussion in my writing or the discussion in Canada because right. we have everyone there. So it's fantastic. And we need that to, to govern this country, this diverse, yeah. amazing country. Well, you can't do it with just one type of, one, one type of thought, you know, one, one type of person. You need to have that conversation. Um, so I, I'm not going to ask you what you've achieved because you're going to mm. be probably mm. way too humble to talk about those things. Um, uh, but like when you look back on it, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are the things that you've, with the support of the people who you've been working with, mm -hmm. what are you looking at it going like, that was very fulfilling? Oh, wow. Is there something that yeah. stands out specifically? One thing that comes immediately to mind for me is um, our national child care program. You know, we now have a learning, early learning and child care program in Canada that will, when, we, when it's fully implemented, allow for $10 a day childcare. Right, yes. Every parent, every family will be able to access that. It's rolling out. It's not, it's not perfect, but right. we got the legislation passed. Right, it's, you know, it's, it's now on its way. It's Something's on its happened. way, and people it's are paying 50% less than they did 
a year ago. Right. That's big for families in York Region. Yeah. You know, for women who are debating, do I go back to work? I want to stay in my career. Mm-hmm. Do I go back to work because economically it doesn't make sense? Right. And this is what happened to women a lot of times is that they make the decision to take time off of their careers or their whatever they're doing right. for their children, right. partially because of the economics, partially because they may want to, but it's very hard to get back in at the same place. And so... Right. Making going, you know, making that transition and getting to the positions of leadership are difficult. And so this, if women want, if men want, because this is about parents, um, want to stay in the workforce, they can do that now, regardless of economics. Um, And I think that is so important. It's something that when I was first involved in politics, student politics at University of Toronto in 19... I want to say it was 81 or 2. Giving it away, Leah. I know, when I was women's commissioner. <laughs> it's okay, like, I, I'm proud of my age. I'm, I'm, you know, it's a good thing to be alive, and I have a lot I, of energy, you know. You know? Yeah, I I, I'm like, 30 more years I love it to now. work. Yeah, yeah, um, enjoy it. But, um, but when I was um, women's commissioner there, the, the uh, first um, report on the status of women had been published just prior to that, and one of the asks was for a national child care program. Hmm. You know, hmm. think how many decades that was. Yes. And how many governments tried to get there, how many tried to get it across the line. Twice we came very close. Right. Our government got it passed. And right. we have a program in place with bilateral agreements with every province. That makes a difference in, like, everyday life, right? It makes a huge difference. You know, cost of living. Right. Like, if, if you can save $800 a month on your child care for one kid. Right. Two children, like that's like another more. It's not quite another mortgage anymore well, with interest well, rates, well, but, no, but it makes a big difference. Sure. If you have two children or three money. children, it is. Yeah. You know, and and for me, that kind of, I think the future of our economy, and and I I'm somebody who's a business person too, and I think about our economy, but, you know, inclusion and making sure that everyone who lives in Canada has the opportunity to contribute, to has the opportunity to work, has the opportunity to be part and build our country in whatever way they want. That's how our country is going to grow. And that's why these programs that address minorities or address underrepresented people are so important. It's not just for justice, which is very important in fairness. It's also for economic growth and opportunity. And I I look at this and I think, wow, we, it finally got done. I was in the house. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you were part of that. And I was also, when I was elected in 21, remember I say there's causes in the future? That Mm -hmm. was the the hundredth year from the first woman sitting in the house. It was 100 oh. years. I was the hundred and, I want to say I was the 103rd woman right. in that parliament. And we are, for the first time, we're over 30% representation. Right. We, we have a long way to go. We need to get to 50%. Yeah. Okay. And that's one of, you know, the things that I think is important. But like I say, it's not just women. It's representation of all groups in Canada. Yeah of all genders, of all backgrounds, of minorities. We need to make sure our parliament is representative. Yeah, that's, that's um, you know, I think just hearing you as you're talking about that, when you think about all of what you have to deal with in a day mm. and to have these things, it's like, okay, it was worth it. Yeah, <laughs> right. absolutely. It was worth it. Absolutely. You do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you want to do it again. I'm and, going to. And um, But you know when you said, you know, you referred to the Board of Trade, your experience there, and you were kind of saying, you know, that's here. Yeah. I disagree because if, if you were going to ask me the one thing that I'm most proud of, it's actually that I feel like I have increased representation in our riding, that people feel they can reach out to me, yes. that I get out there, that I talk to people, that people understand maybe a little bit better what 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 the government does, what yeah. their MP does. Yeah. To me, that representation. And mm-hmm. so even if I didn't have any big things I could say, just being, trying to be a good representative and really feeling like people in Aurora Oak Ridge's Richmond Hill are having their voice heard. Yeah. 
you know, I joke, one of the things about raising six or helping to raise six children is, you know, you, you have a loud voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have yeah. a loud voice, you know? right? You can multitask, you have a loud voice. And yeah. so in caucus, I don't, I'm not shy to yeah. make my voice heard. Oh, I, I, I've, I listened to it, some of it on your posts and <laughs> I, I see some of it. I'm thinking, whew, you're standing up there. And you're battling, yeah. And uh, you are you are representing. And think about all the things that I just keep wondering about. That's what I find so admirable that you got to worry about like local issues, national issues, global issues. You got to put that all in. You got to pick which order you're going to go in. Yeah. And then you got to keep your own sanity while you're at this. You still got family. You're still a person, mm-hmm. a human yeah. being. Yeah. And that's uh, as a, as a person in that role. That's 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 amazing for just. Just being there mm. is like you just said. Just being there and being able to, you know, to serve and to play that role. Um, well, it's so, it's an honor. I have to say it is an honor, and and I'm really um, I'm really glad I had the opportunity now. And every day I just go and say I'm just do the work again, and yeah. we'll see what happens next day. Well, what would you say like sitting where you are? I mean, I could ask somebody else this mm-hmm. about you too, which maybe one day I will. <laughs> but asking you, mm-hmm. you've gone through all this. Um, what about you? How have you felt like you ch- you changed? How have you felt like you developed or grew in all of this? Because that's got to be a big enough right. win too. Your right. personal growth, your yeah. personal development. Oh, absolutely. How, absolutely. How, how, in what way would you say? Oh, there's many ways, but one is, I mean, just learning from constituents, right? Every, right? every time you talk to somebody, you hear their life experience, you hear what they've what they've been through or what they're experiencing in the moment right. and where they've come from, you you see the world in a different way. Right. Right. So it's it, to me, I've learned so much about um, different cultural backgrounds, about um, different religions, about different life experiences. Um, you know, from things like going to um, different religious organizations or institutions, but mm-hmm. also women's shelters, right. um, seniors' homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love going to right, seniors' you get homes. Because you get now like a little bit of the access, yeah. but you also, there's all this discovery. Right, and it's the stories, right? You get to hear people's stories all yeah. the time. And you think, wow. And it, it, for me, it, it fills me with pride about our country. Uh-huh. Like conversations, those conversations, and you see how people are struggling too, right? And and how they some people need help, and how we can help. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say about the board of trade was, my feeling is is that when you look at kind of the, um, if you want to put it in a hierarchy, which I don't even like hierarchies, quite mm-hmm. frankly. But if you're going to put it in a hierarchy, I always think, look, the person's first, right? The person's first, right. and then that that level of government are those community organizations that touch the most most immediately. Right. And those are the local ones. Those are the board of trades. Those are the mayors and the councillors. Right. They are the first and, and most immediate um, effect on people, right? Right. right? And then the province. Then I'm here. I'm at the bottom. <laughs> I'm the Fed. I'm the MP. Mm. But but what we do in our government and the issues we deal with um, nationally, internationally, they also affect the person in the riding. They sure. affect people too. Sure. It's just not always is immediate. The effect isn't felt right away. 100%. So those things are really, for me, even when I'm looking at international, like I talked about the war in Gaza, when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking about how does that impact um, people in my riding, like right. people who are dealing with anti-Semitism or Islamophobia or people who have a family member in Gaza right. or a hostage in, yeah. in you know, being held. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think about how does it affect them? So. But one of our other guests just earlier today, I was yeah. telling you, was somebody who, you know, came to this side of the world mm-hmm. from Afghanistan, yeah. right? And she was like one when she came over. But yeah. 
it affects people. Absolutely. Like who are writing your writing there. Absolutely. Constantly. And I just last week was at um, the airport welcoming a plane of yes. uh, people yeah. from Afghanistan. And, you know, I've done that several times. And this time I was actually inside. Thank goodness it was so cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. um, it was a different experience. Even but for you Canadians. see these people too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you just, and what really I loved about it, um, Mohammed, was looking at all of the people there in this warehouse that were greeting these people that were coming from Afghanistan. Uh-huh. You know, the, the immigration officials, the CBSA officials, the community volunteers, yeah. all different pieces, and, and, and the families waiting outside, just people yeah. who had sponsored them. Yeah. All these different groups coming together. And and that is what we do. I mean, it's it's we, we can't do the work we do without the boards Everyone. of trade, yeah. without the community organizations, without sure. the shelters, without the, sure. you know, organizations. Everything and, and Canada does such a good job, I think. Yeah. And even despite the huge challenges we're facing, and we are yeah. facing big challenges right now, there is. I still think there's no better place to be on in this earth. And I think that, mm. you know, we have to be grateful for that and realize, even though we're struggling, and we and it's my job to listen to those struggles and to take action to try and address them. That also we um, we are global citizens. And some of the issues that are facing us are not within our boundaries, you know. And and our leadership and our participation in finding that solution to the war in, in Gaza, you know, to finding the two-state solution or to dealing with climate change, those are really important things that we have to do too. Just like within our communities, those that have more that aren't struggling with their health or with their economic necessities are able to help their neighbors as a country. Mm-hmm. We have our challenges, and we have to put a lot of work into those, but we still are one of the most desirable places for people around the world to come to. Our economy is still strong. We have freedoms. Hmm. You know, we have so much here. It doesn't mean that the problems aren't a priority, but we have other responsibilities yeah. as well, and we, I think it is our, our job, our role to ensure. And the last thing I say is that that relates back to the constituents because climate change, you just look in Canada right now, Right. right. The billions of dollars that we've spent on addressing, you know, the the atmospheric rivers, the 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 floods, the the you just storms. can't stop taking care of people, can the you? Fires. I want to talk about you. The fires. You talk no, about taking well, care of Canada. I'm talking <sighs> about you. Okay, so, you see, so I, I got a, I, I did that's a 20 like minutes. Always working. Yes. I did a 20 minute spin class this morning. I promise How's you, that? it's just going to be. Thank you. I, <laughs> I, I stopped. That. I was oh. working for the morning. And I thought I'm that's going it. for this. I'm going to do my 20 minute spin class and take care of myself. That's the. See, I told you I was going to challenge you on some things, but I did it. That's what I'm. I really. I feel like someone's got to look out for you. Well, and you, I, I'm so glad to know that you did that. You're taking care yeah, of yourself, yeah. and I'm sure there are people out there, your family and your friends, and your supporters that are like see to it because you you are serving and you're doing work that while others are capable of doing, they didn't step up to the way you have. And I find that when somebody does step up to do it the way you have, like take care of those people. <laughs> you're taking care of everyone. We need to take care of you. And uh, you know, I, I really really appreciate. Really, you come in here, oh, thank um, you. taking the time out of all the things you got to deal with in a day and sit with us, right? Like, wow. Well, uh, it's it's huge. I re- really, I appreciate it very much, Leah. Well, thank um, you for what you're doing too, because and I and I do feel we had the conversation, but you know, maybe it can help somebody, maybe not. Sometimes I listen to somebody else's story; and it helps me. You know, well, so, so maybe that's what I wanted to ask positive. you. This is somebody's listening, saying they're 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 looking at their kind of challenges that they have, and mm-hmm. sometimes, 
you know, they might look at what you're dealing with and going, Leah, but my problem is going to seem very small to you. Or, you know, uh, you know, I don't have your, your gusto and your strength. And, mm. you know, I don't know how to, you know, fight a no. Mm. Uh, and it could be trying to move that needle from 30% to 50% representation. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. What do you, like, what, what do you say to them? You know, you're, you're perfect as you are. You are who you are. And, and you know, you, you have so many strengths, too. Like, it's, it, we don't, quite frankly, I don't want a world full of Leas, you know. <laughs> I, I appreciate my team in the office. I, you know. There are some people celebrating what you just said there. No, like, no I mean. Oh, come on. No, no, seriously. I mean, yeah. I think, and that's the thing is that everybody brings something different. And, and at different points in our life, we have different, you know, we have challenges that maybe we need more help with or maybe we can't get the, the no to a yes on that one. But the next time there will be something else. And, I, and I, I'm a big believer in, you know, the universe being benevolent and people being benevolent and energy that things happen for a reason. And so be kind to yourself. It's like you're saying to me, take care of yourself. Be mm-hmm. kind to yourself. You're not supposed to be anybody else than who you are. But if they're sitting there, like let's just say they're waiting for, they're saying the time is, mm-hmm. you know how you are, you'd like, yeah. it needs to be done now. Right. It can't be. But there's some people waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and if you had waited for things to happen, imagine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if someone's waiting for something to, to, to be perfect, to be right. Oh, well, if, don't wait for that. <laughs> don't wait for things to be perfect or right. You'd never, we wouldn't do anything. Like, you have to believe that everything is perfect or nothing is perfect. It's mm. like things are perfect. And, and if, if huh. you have it in you, if you feel you can do it to push yourself a little bit, to take that next step, right. do it. If you need help to do it, seek the help. But if your want and your desire is strong enough, and you really feel it's important, find a way. You can find a way. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you being the most aggressive or the most, you know, pushy, per- whatever it is. It can just be you being you and being open to receiving help, too. And I think often people people resist that. They don't want to ask other people or they don't want to, you know, burden other people or whatever. It's not a burden. It's like if people are able and willing to help, you're giving them an opportunity. You're giving them an opportunity, right? They can help. And, and I think... Everyone has this kind of circularity in their life. I mean, I've, my upbringing was, I did not, you know, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know? mm. People look at me sometimes and they say, oh, yeah, it's been so easy. No. Like uh, our family, you know, helping other people is more important than making money. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, well, they could have gone and made way more money yeah, doing other things, yeah, right? Like right. you said, like so they passed up. So, you know, when I, when I went to graduate school, I, mm. I had three part-time jobs when I was at Harvard. People look at it and think, oh, you went to Harvard. I'm like, well, yeah, I worked hard to get in there. I took a year off to work to save some money right. to go. Right. And I, even in that year off, people were like, why aren't you in school and all that stuff? Still, You know, working and, um, yeah. and at the job I had, I was discriminated against. I was paid less than a man with the same background as me. Right. I was paid less. Right. I had so many things that happened, and, and, but you just kind of go, okay, you, just, you believe in it. And, and I had gotten scholarships from the two other schools I was accepted in for graduate programs, and I decided, no, this was the program I wanted to do. I was going to stay there, save money, got, got some loans from family. I got some small scholarships, and I worked, and I worked. And, you know, so it's not... Like, there are always going to be obstacles, and you can either say, it's too big for me, that obstacle yeah, is too big. Yeah, I was big. just going to say, like, yeah. the path can seem so long, yeah. so overwhelming. Yeah. The, what do you... You just say either either your desire is big enough, is great enough right. to keep pushing on it, right. or you say, it's not that important, I'll go to plan B. Like, there's another way, and I always believe there is another way. I always believe that, too. Leah. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know. Uh, and, and thank you for your time. And I, I know this has been all over the place. So no, you can do with it no. what you want. I'm sure it'll be edited heavily. <laughs>
<laughs> but um, we're gonna get that part in there though, right? <laughs> no, you can say that too. No, no, no. It's honestly like it's fabulous for us. Like it's a it's a treat to have you here today. 